as a career and you know, definitely don't take that for granted. Um, but you know, at the same time, by doing that, you know, you know, you're giving it your all, and when you're enjoying it along the way, you know, because it has been a lot of fun along the way. Then you, you know, I think yeah, it's when you give it your best. If you end up going off and not doing, getting forced into an area you don't want to do or doing something you don't like, then you're never going to be giving it your all. That was Blair Took. This is Doug at the podcast. Welcome to episode 28. This was uh, one I managed to sneak in the other day just before class. I met uh, Blair actually in a yoga class just before he flew out to Rio to compete in the Olympics this year in the 49er class, sailing with his partner Peter Burling. And they managed to uh, take out gold there and previously they'd won silver at the London Olympics and uh, but he just seemed like a super happy even before he left I was like this guy seems pretty like a bit of a dude he's a friend of a friend and um, and sailing is something I've really kind of been fascinated by it's a lot of things it's something that a lot of people in New Zealand do but I remember racing remote control yachts as a kid and gliders and just being uh, really captivated just captivated by using just the the power of the wind and kind of refining and you know when you really get on plane and I've never actually been on a, a proper sailboat myself um, and uh, I was in Bali actually while the Olympics were on and didn't really get to see any of it but um, when I heard Blair won gold and saw all the post um, I just thought it'd be great to catch up and hear his insights about competing in the Olympics and, and kind of balancing that out with everyday life and kind of how we got started and how to get into sailing as a kid when there's all these other sports and uh, offers on play but um, or opportunities especially when you're kind of a, a young guy the world's your oyster and you've got so many talents and, uh, and he does he's into uh, plenty of water sports and nature and has a particular passion for the sea diving surfing fishing and um, and uh, passion to look after that as well so so kind of a nice message in terms of sustainability and just I find people that are more out in nature tend to want to look after it so maybe that's a little piece of advice if we can just get people more in the water in the forest then they'll uh, they'll do more to look after it too it's that disconnect that often leads to the issues and um, and I just had one little note today too of uh, it's mental health week so see if you can if you find someone like Blair or just a regular Joe blog or whoever it might be that said looks like a pretty happy chap or needs a bit of love in their life or has done something that you think's great you know say so let them know um, you never know what effect it might have on them it can change someone's day quite literally it was, uh, I was talking to my friend Javier the other night about it and just about kind of self-love and giving yourself a pat on the back and kind of getting over some of those limiting core beliefs that stop you from doing what you love or taking a risk or kind of being who you are. And he just said he had an awesome day just from that little conversation we had and kind of went to the beach to the workout, pat himself on the back and got into this wonderful state of mind and then kind of let, he let that kind of flavor his whole day. And, uh, and then it's amazing that momentum it brings. So if you do it for someone else or do it for yourself, then you never know what the catalyst or what they could create. So that would be my little uh, tip for the day. And, and the last one would be that motion leads to emotion. I'm going to kind of really get into that as I summarize the Tony Robbins course I did. But it's something that's kind of been known in yoga and a lot of things. Intuitively, I've kind of done it for a while. Like when you feel down or just not at your best to, to jump in some cold water or to get the breath going or to... Just move the body instantly improves your change, uh, your state of mind. So motion leading to emotion. So if you get into a bit of a funk, get moving, breathe, and uh, use the full diaphragm to belly breathe. Breathe deep down, or start to. There's a Kabbalah belly technique. I'll uh, I'll try and get a video up for that soon of just a breathing technique, but also 
just do any kind of exercise, dance, sing, put a favorite song on, just jam, jump around, anything helps, skip, whatever kind of floats your boat. And um, I'm actually going to do the Wim Hof breathing technique this weekend at True Food and Yoga. So if you're interested in that, that's kind of one of the quickest ways to fight depression, to get the body alkaline, to fight off disease. Amazing technique when you do some uh, cold water swimming or immersion with it after, the, after as well. You get the music going, all things good to get you into kind of that wonderful state of mind. And the kind of goal for my podcast is health and happiness. I want to kind of be the happiest person alive and uh, share the tips and tools and I feel like I'm getting there I, I don't feel like I have a even if I get into a bit of a, a bad space I think that's just natural but it's the having the tools there so you can instantly snap out of it and once you've got those tools and you realize kind of what's going on and the body shows the signs up first which is really interesting so the body will start to round the breath will get shallow and and the shoulders will round and the voice will slow down and soften and they're all the things that that you change those and then you change the headspace, not the other way around. So there's a few little uh, tips for you today. And uh, it is that mental health week. Happiness is the, that's the main goal. It's the reason why we do everything. So prioritize that. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's nice to share this conversation with Blair, who just seems like a happy-go-lucky kind of dude who's out there doing things. He's constantly moving as well. He's a fit guy so I was interested to hear about his training his diet and how they how they do what they do and some insights into the sailing world and now he's with team New Zealand preparing for the regattas around the world and the America's Cup which I believe is next year so uh yeah this is a bit of a last minute conversation before class at True Food and Yoga where my course will be this weekend I keep plugging that don't I but uh, we managed to sneak into one of the back, kind of the one of the back facial rooms, and just have a quick chat for 40 minutes. So I'd like to do another one, go a bit deeper into a few things, or maybe uh, go for a spearfish with them or something. But um, for now, we've got a about a good 45 minutes into the insights of a gold medal Olympian, and also he's the flag bearer for New Zealand at the Olympic Games too with Peter, which is a, a pretty amazing honour. So and you better follow his progress. I'll include his kind of social media links in the, in the show notes but um, you can get them on um, Instagram I think it's just Blair Took but I'll put that in the in the post and as always leave a comment, share if you like again man if it, if it benefits you this is a great uh, marketing tool to, if, if something benefits you and you think someone else could could do with it in their life share it and uh, and you never know what might happen so share what you love and uh, comment, write a review if you enjoy it, otherwise just appreciate, really appreciate you tuning in. And without further ado, as always, I say that when I kind of wind on, here is Blur Took. Think less, experience more, and I hope you dug it. Taking the, no taking the time, appreciate it, eh? Um, so for those who are just like on another planet or something, <laughs> haven't haven't heard of you before, like what would you, how do you kind of sum up what you do, or or kind of who you are? <laughs> yeah, so I guess I, I tell people I race boats. So I've been a professional sailor for I don't know almost seven, eight years now, but done since I was pretty young and uh, yeah, sort of the last two Olympics have been the priority and uh, yeah, to manage of one silver and a gold medal, those have been definitely the highlights of my career. Man, because you're, you're still, what, how young are you? You're still early? Uh, 27. Man, and so that's, so first Olympics was 23? Yeah, 23. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and how long were you sailing before that to get into it at school? Or? Yeah, pretty much. Or when I was, yeah, I probably got into sailing when I was 12 or, yeah, 11 or 12. Um, but I was playing rugby at that time and then sailing a little bit. And then probably when I was 14, I got into sailing sort of properly and then uh, teamed up with Peter, who I, you know, sailed the last Olympics with. And uh, we teamed up when I was 19 or 20. So, yeah, we've sailed together for the last eight years. I was going to say, how do you, like, find a partner or... Like, or is, is that because obviously there's so many different boats and, and um, what would you call them like 
what do you call the different classes, kind of yeah, classes both, yeah. yeah so and you were already always set on like uh the 49ers or yeah, i guess you race all kinds of stuff wouldn't you yeah you race all kind of stuff when you're younger but then i sort of yeah the 49er was what a boat that sort of excited me and then peter uh approached me and said you want to sail together he'd already been to the olympics in 2008 as a pretty as a 17 year old i think so yeah, yeah. when he got back from that we uh teamed up and then yeah been going going ever since oh sweet actually i wonder if it is gonna be do you want me to come bit, down? yeah might actually um if that's all right i, I was just thinking down. the I'm have to change the audio levels too much. I'm just not, I'm no good at seeing cross-legged down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good practice on my yoga classes, eh? <laughs> oh, man, it's taken me a while to get used to it. Yeah. But um, I'll see how you no, go. I'll be right. I'll be right. <laughs> Throwing in the deep end. Um, okay, so you met up, what did you say, you were about 13 or something? Uh, we, no, when Pete and I teamed up, we were, yeah, he was 17, I think I was 19, so... Yeah, eight years ago. So just after the Beijing Olympics, we teamed up and put that campaign together towards London, and then uh, yeah, we waited, waited a bit afterwards, sort of reassessed, and uh, and then got into and got into the Rio campaign. You know, maybe six months, six months after London. And um, was that? How did you guys meet? Um, yeah, we we met. It's kind of different in sailing. It's not like a coach forces you to yeah. to sail together. It's it's something that you sort of decide yourself and decide who you, <laughs> decide who you think is going to be your best your best match. And uh, sort of yeah, you have to have different attributes. And uh, I guess we just tried it out for the first few months. We had no real expectations. We thought we'd just see how it goes. And uh, yeah, once it, we were having fun for the first few months, then we decided to sort of set our our goal of. Uh, going to, uh, to London and trying to win a medal. Yeah. And then that was, and we were sailing, you were both sailing full-time or even to work part-time at that stage as well. Because yeah, I remember when I had like a creative partner and it's like, you have to consider what they want and it's, yeah, it's a different, it's a different dynamic, but, um, so we were, you guys, you guys were set on the Olympics. And, yeah, but I was, and yeah, I was still working at the time. I I uh, did an electrical apprenticeship when I left school, so left school at sixteen and a half, and sort of thought I didn't didn't really see myself going to uni, so I might yeah. as well get out and start the apprenticeship early. So which would, you know, at that time I thought I could be finished by the time I was twenty, but uh, you know, then slowly sailing started taking over a bit more and started working less. And like I had a good boss, Brito, and he, uh, yeah, he just sort of let me take as much time as off as I needed and. Uh, and then it came to a stage before London that uh, you know I just wasn't working at all for the last few years, but that was still cool, and you know you learn a lot from doing the electrical apprenticeship for sure. Yes, yeah, so, so because you grew up in Kerry, Kerry, so there's lots of like there's a good sailing clubs there, and like how did you how did you first yeah. get initiated into it? Yeah, so I live maybe 50 meters from the water in Kerry, oh. Kerry, and uh, I wasn't into sailing so much as a youngster, just fishing and water skiing and mucking around with my brothers on the water but uh, then got into sailing at a primary school sailing day and yeah and then I guess from having that sort of connection with the water from a really young age it sort of certainly helped me out I think early on and yeah and I just sort of definitely love the sport for what it is. What's the like is it the because I haven't done much sailing like we had a fishing boat as kids and stuff but the I still love racing those remote control yachts and like just getting it on plane and like is there like a, is it like kind of the g-force when you kind of catch the wind right or like just what was it the buzz of winning or just racing or yeah it's what a, was the kind of hook i guess probably the hook early on because i wasn't racing that much was just being out in the water and yeah. uh you could just i guess the freedom it's kind of the people probably laugh at me but you know there's something about being on the water and just out there doing it and you know i think that's what i certainly um liked it for the start and you know probably what helps even now you know you love going out and just training and pushing pushing the uh, boundaries and you're on the elements and uh, although now it's on a bit different playing field than where it was in those early days in Kiri Kiri it's still uh you know you still love it every day yeah and the and so did you think like at school you were you doing other sports or were you doing it part-time or were you getting pretty into it or yeah no I was uh playing rugby Mainly when I was when I was younger, as a lot of uh, New Zealanders do, and you know that was 
probably my main sport till I was 13 or 14. Sailing was what I did in the summertime for a few years there and then uh, yeah, I got uh, this opportunity to go overseas and race, uh, which is obviously New Zealand winter time for a European summer so I sort of had the decision then when I was 14 to either go to Europe and, and do a sailing regatta or or play rugby and that's when I sort of switched I guess and yeah. uh, then from there I just got more and more into sailing. Oh that would have been a nice lifestyle. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that was but certainly... Yeah, do they, would, was that with like scholarships or with representative teams or was... How uh, did the... It was sort of... Yeah, you still. I, my parents still, um, you know, definitely helped out with the, with the shortfall. You know, very grateful for that. But there was a lot of, lot of, uh, just trying to, yeah, raise money. And I remember standing outside supermarkets selling raffle tickets. You know, to try and raise an extra few hundred dollars. And um, you know, that'll that'll help. And I was lucky that, you know, with my parents' help, that they could, you know, support us because it was a, certainly as a youngster a pretty awesome opportunity. Yeah. What have you got? Brothers, sisters, yeah, uh, well. three brothers. Oh, oh yeah. man, the whole squad. Yeah, yeah, whole squad. So the games. <laughs> yeah, are, you should have your own. But are they into sailing as well? Uh not not so much. My eldest brother uh, works on. He skips the super yacht. Yeah. Um, so he's into sailing now, but sort of came through a different avenue than I did. And then my the brother just above me in between us is he's a chiropractor and sort of. Uh, it's, fully into diving and fishing and surfing but not so much sailing and then my youngest brother did a bit of sailing with me when we were growing up but uh didn't do so much now cool yeah. um did they all go to, over to rio and yeah, yeah yeah i had all the boys there in rio so uh that was pretty it was pretty awesome to have my yeah my parents there and my brothers it was uh and uh a couple of good mates as well so that was yeah it was uh neat to have them there on the beach and supporting them uh, supporting us because yeah they weren't there in London but my parents were and yeah they have the boys there you know they've been part of the journey so for them to be there and sort of be able to share that moment with them was pretty awesome. Uh, epic man yeah that would have been yeah a real treat and what um so like what what is the like when you and Pete decide to target the Olympics is it like to get like a high performance program and it's so many years out or do you just keep, keep racing as much as you can yeah it's sort of the thing with our campaign and a lot of sailing campaigns is fully sort of driven by us we are you know i guess we sort of run the the program and then we we fit in with high performance sport and yon new zealand and different people you know and uh yeah it's it's just a it's a full-time job and it is uh, you know from four years out it's just everything in your life's geared towards that's you know, hopefully that's success and you just give everything you can and uh, you know hopefully it comes out for you and you know for us over the last four years we've had some amazing results and you know, it's been a lot of fun but you know there's a lot of hard working behind that too. Yeah what would a normal kind of day uh, look like training eating why is it up at like the break of dawn or is it? Yeah no you are just like the my life now is a lot more simple. It's quite long hours, but it's uh. But before with the forty nine er campaign, because it was our own campaign, you sort of run it like you do your own business, which sort of has its ups and downs. But you end up, you know, you might go out for dinner with friends, but then you've got stuff in your mind that you need to get done. So then you'll do a few hours work at at night time to either working on the boat or sorting out logistics to get the boat around the world. And it's a lot. Basically, the whole thing's sort of done by us with that. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to do, and you end up just living it and breathing it every minute of the day. Whereas now with Team New Zealand, it's sort of you just go to work at a certain time and you and you do your job, and yeah, you think about it afterwards. But you're still, luckily, still in New Zealand during that time, and you you can wrap up at the end of the day and sort of you know know you'll be back there to first thing tomorrow morning. Oh, so I didn't realise you're, you're organising all your own events and logistics because shipping the boat around the world's got to be a bit of a yeah, nightmare. Yeah, there's a there's a bit to that. We sort of. Yeah, this last campaign we had five or six boats on the go at sometimes uh, one in Europe, two in Rio, two or three in New Zealand, and um, you know Pete's role mainly was to look after the boats and the, the boat work side of it, and my role sort of around the logistics and making sure they're in the right part of the world at the right time. And yeah, there's a, there's a bit to to do, uh, to do there with air freight and sea freight, and then working out with different people, you know, different yeah. organisations as how to do it. So. What about the boat design? Do you work at all on that, or is it all pretty much they're all identical, or is there much you can change? Uh, it's 
in the 49er it's pretty one design so you buy it from the same manufacturer the boat the mast and the sails but within that there's a little bit of uh sort of variance because the build the builders manufacturers can't do everyone exactly the same so yeah you spend a lot of time uh on land testing doing static tests and whatnot of different uh components and then on the water sort of just with eye and feel and sort of getting a really good understanding as to what the different sort of sail shapes or bend characteristics of the mast will do and how that sort of affects your speed because yeah, the speed of the boat at the end of the day probably the, the key component to winning a yacht race. Yeah and if you describe like the 49er boat it's kind of is there a technical term for that kind of hull with the yeah it's, it's just of, sort of a pretty uh I don't know what you call it. It's, yeah, basically it's narrow and uh, with the wings on top of it, so which you get the uh, riding moment from because you stand on each side of it. But yeah, I just describe it to people that if you put your normal boat in the water, like a your speedboat or whatever, to go uh, wakeboarding, you drop it off the trailer and it sits there on the boat ramp. Okay, you know, on the water on the near the boat ramp and our boat, if you put it in the water, it's uh, you know straight away you it will tip over without sort of putting wind in the sails and then. Uh, having our body weight counteracting that so it's yeah really tippy boat until you get you know that normally the faster you're going the more stable it is yeah. cross leg is holding it no I pulled out <laughs> did my left leg sweat it's my yeah. I got real my right hip yeah that's good to move no no I'm good I'm comfy um, and uh, and then so after like London like because you've got silver there um because what's the I was actually in Bali I didn't even see any of the Olympics so what was what's the format for the racing do you do a, uh, so we do most sailing races are the same on at the Olympic level but it's sort of yeah two or three races a day and each race is about 30 minutes long so you do the start and then you go upwind downwind might do two or three laps in a race and yeah so you do that 30 minute race and you do that two or three times in a day uh, and then, yeah, total number of races for us in Rio was 12. Uh, plus, uh, on the last day, you have a medal race, which is just for the top 10 boats. Normally, you race against 20. Uh, so it's just for the top 10 boats, and then that's that race is worth double points. And it's sort of the... It's supposed to sort of make it so that there's a winner on the final day, but uh, luckily for us, we'd already sort of got, got enough points gaps because you basically add all, all your places up it's a low point scoring system so if you get first in the race you get one point and if you get 20th in the race you get 20 points and over the 12 races you add all those points up and the lowest points win so before the final race we're maybe leading by 25 or 30 points so no matter, even if we got the 20 possible points for the last race then we couldn't get beaten oh man so it must have been a nice feeling going into that like when did you know you'd won it yeah so that was like um day five or something that we knew we'd won and then we had or day four and then day five was a rest day and then the day six was when we had our final race so we sort of you know got to enjoy it on that that <laughs> night afterwards and then had a day to get to get ready for the final race yeah oh man that would have been a treat going in and what's the um uh what was I gonna say was there because it's you got so many elements like you got the wind is there much luck involved or is does the cream kind of always rise to the top or is it like you got to are you guessing the wind a lot or are you no you certainly that's the that's the reason why you do 12 races that generally at that no definitely at that stage the best boat in all the conditions will will always win if you do one or two races we just race on one day then maybe a team that's not so well-rounded might win or they might have got lucky had a good start in one race or got a lucky wind shift but generally you can't get lucky that many times mm. so that's why the format's longer like that and uh, you know we back ourselves to be good in a wide range of conditions and I think that's why I've managed to do well in the last four years at, at places where it's light winds or windy or big waves flat water uh, that's you know we've managed to win in all of those and um, yeah, we get beaten on the odd day, but that's over a whole regatta we can normally pull it together. Cool, man. Do you go? Do you go over? You must go over quite early then to try and suss out the conditions and the, yeah. have a team to help you 
look at the wind and yeah. what have you. Yeah, we got our, uh, you know, we get a forecast every day and we have someone that's looking at that on a pretty high resolution uh, weather model. And then from there we have our own coach, Hamish, who he's really good understanding around the weather and he'll sort of, you know, there's there's the model that you get and it says this should do this, but, you know, everyone knows the, the nature and how it, all, it always changes. So that's definitely the case. So, you know, then you put, poke your head outside or get out in the water and you say, okay, this is actually what it's looking like today and you know potentially the wind might be 10 degrees further left and it might be a little bit more uneven or you know that's just an example and Hamish is always really good at that so um, you know it definitely helped us but we spent you know a lot of time in Rio getting used to the conditions and and just trying to feel comfortable there Uh, you know we maybe in the last four years or three years spent probably did seven or eight trips to Rio oh you know 100 150 days sort of thing Oh, epic. And what was Rio like? Is it London Olympic Village and hanging out at the marina and stuff? It's yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool place. It's a you know, really vibrant city. It's you know, part of us spending so much time there was not just to feel comfortable and trying to learn on the water, but off the water. It's very different in New Zealand and uh when you're trying to compete at a high level you wanna feel comfortable, you know, when you're off the water and you've got to be able to relax at night and uh, you know, a big part of it for us was to try and to get that feeling in Rio, and it, you know, it certainly took a little bit of time because it's, you know, it's nothing like um, Auckland, let alone Kirikiri. So, you know, that took some time. But you know, when you actually did start to enjoy it and uh, get out and and live like the Brazilians do, you know, it is a pretty cool city, and uh, you know, the landscape around there is you know really amazing. Because do they do? You- what staying at Airbnb or a hostel or I mean, not a hostel? But I, yeah, the, the yeah, normally we would we would stay when we go for those other trips. We'd stay in Airbnbs, yeah. and just then you can sort of you know Pete, uh, myself, and Hamish, and we would you know then you can sort of set up and you go your do your own washing, cook for yourself, and sort of you know that's uh, you know that definitely helps, right? If you stay in a hotel for the whole time, you'd, you'd go mad, I think, when you're doing sort of two three week trips. So you know that. That's definitely that was definitely cool. We stayed in some awesome places, and then when we actually went for the Olympics, we um, the New Zealand sailing team decided not to stay in the village because it was a little bit far away from the sailing. Um, so we stayed in this place called Santa Teresa, and it was yeah pretty awesome area, cool part of Rio, and with this amazing setup. And you know that that setup we had definitely contributed to you know the success that the team got. Do you hang out with the other athletes a lot? like over there the other disciplines if you're not in the village do you try and not it's pretty hard because the village was so where we were sailing and where we were staying was literally in the heart of Rio um, so the marina was right in downtown Rio and Santa Teresa where we stayed was just up on the hill and the village was uh, down in Baja so about an hour away so that's why we decided not to stay in there so um, you know we didn't see the uh, the other athletes a lot but being the flag bearers and uh we got down there for the opening for the opening ceremony, and actually the night before that, when we got announced, so you got to hang out there and a bit, and uh, you know we know them from other, see them around the gym and stuff, so that's cool. And then obviously afterwards, everyone's sort of enjoying themselves, and uh, you know you get to meet them some more. Yeah, because the what were the cel- what was the celebrations after the the win? Was it yeah. just family, or do you go out with all the because? Because you'd like worked for four years, and then most guys are young, single that are there, and then it's just like you have a big success. It's like, what else do you, yeah, you have no, a good time? A, I guess it's pretty awesome feeling when you sort of work <laughs> so hard towards something, and then you, you reach your goal. It's a you know unparalleled um, feeling, you know. But then to have the family there, and my brothers, you know, you know, first night, it's just you hang out with them and hang out with the other teammates, and we were lucky that. The rest of the sailing team did so well, so everyone was sort of in, in a pretty good mood. Uh, and then from there, yeah, another couple of nights partying and have some good fun. You know, it's yeah, it's just you're basically riding the biggest high of your life at that stage. So you're just you know rolling with it and just <laughs> riding the wave and enjoying it really. What was the? What, is there like? Uh, what's the night out in Brazil? Is it like samba dancing? Is it? Yeah, if you free? go to a proper night out in Brazil, it is, and that's what. When some of the other trips you'd been to some of those yeah. those places, but you know, uh, during the Olympics there's these different houses. So there's like Heineken House, or you know, which is a Dutch house, and there's a French house, and they all sort of host different nights. And um, Amiga's a massive sponsor of the Olympics, so they had a 
big party one night that we got invited to as sort of VIP so that was pretty awesome that was one of the better nights sort of crazy really flash party and just yeah it was good and we basically we got allowed to invite all our mates there as well so that was that was cool uh, and was there any like uh, athletes in particular or events you went and watched or people you wanted to meet over there too because I mean you're amongst your own heroes as well yeah. kind of thing right it's yeah absolutely like when you're in the in the food hall in the villages yeah it's pretty hard to describe like you're seeing all <laughs> shapes and sizes different walks of life and it's yeah you can just people watch for hours if you wanted to but um, yeah for us this in Rio I didn't actually go and watch anything else I don't think because we yeah we sort of finished and then we had to, basically when after you've packed up the boats you're you know and then you're busy at night and enjoying it and hang out with your mates so we didn't go we saw it was a you know decision made on purpose you know I'd in London I'd been and watched different events that sort of track one night and seen the 100 meter relay and been to mountain biking and a few others so I sort of felt like I'd done it so this time I sort of just wanted to enjoy it while we're there really cool man and um and then you've come back like straight into working for Team New Zealand and that's going out for the America's Cup and you said like a year's time yeah and what's your kind of role role there yeah so it's been interesting like we've we've been with Team New Zealand for Pete and I have been with Team New Zealand for two years now so uh, obviously in that two years the Olympics was a priority but we we're still doing uh, you know little bits at, down at the base and then overseas with Team New Zealand and now we're back we sort of had a week off or something and then or 10 days and then we went straight up to France to race which didn't go so well for us unfortunately but uh you know then we came back from there and we strained to full-time work so it's yeah it's been it's been different first time I've worked full-time since my sparky days but it's uh yeah it's there's lots to learn it's a whole new area for us and uh yeah it's just yeah lot, lots of fun and just looking forward to it really it's a good challenge ahead so what does a normal day's work look like if you're not racing or you testing or you're just yeah. training physically like what does a training day look like yeah if, so if most most days as I was saying earlier so now it's easy to I used to really struggle to tell people what I did in the day because it was <laughs> so varied and but now it's uh you know normally we train in the mornings physically so it's either sort of 6 30 or 7 o'clock start and then we'll train in the gym we'll do some cardio for an hour and a half or an hour and then have breakfast at the base. Uh, we've got our own chef down there, so that's that's pretty good. And then so oh, what's what's the kind of breakfast options? Breakfast option, I I normally struggle to go past a couple of poached eggs on toast. Yeah, on some whole grain toast is good. Uh, but yeah, and then from there we're either if it's a sailing day, we'll sort of go straight into starting to get the wing up, the wing sail. So the launching process of the boat's about an hour, an hour and a half, and then yeah, get the boat on the water, and then have a, maybe a little bit more food and then uh, you're sort of straight out into it so you might be on the water for four hours or something like that and then come back get the boat away and then have a debrief and then that sort of takes you through to six or seven at night and then that's you go yeah, home man. go to sleep and do it again the next day <laughs> um yeah flip it's such a big i remember the money we just spent on a fishing boat like i imagine that you know like the the team the like the level of finances and organization and um it must be pretty unreal to be in that environment all the time but it's like yeah. anything you get used to it yeah it's a big wheel it's uh you know i've gone from being you know peter myself and a couple of other guys in our tight team to being i don't, I don't know how many people on our team 70 80 90, yeah. us, somewhere around there so um you know it's it's certainly a big wheel and there's a lot that happens during a day but you know the the prize is there and you know, everyone's just down there just working their butts off to try, hopefully try and get the cup back to NZ. Cool. Have you had any, like, real, like, low points in your career or thought about, like, shit, I don't know if sailing full-time's going to cut it or, or or when you do get down or have a bad race or whatever, is there any kind of tools, routines that kind of yeah, there's certainly you uh, going? Like, do you have mental coaches or do you just have your own, just get find your own space or yeah it's probably more about us finding our own space I I've always yeah we, we've been I've never really had a mental coach and I yeah we, we both feel quite confident in that area and you sort of um yeah you just got to back the other person to be on their game and you know 
I think with that it gives you confidence that you know you don't want to let them down. So you know I don't I don't really you know there have been times where you know you're testing. I wouldn't say I've had full real like you know I'm not going to say I was really down and one there was something that got me up or anything. It's not it's not been like that for me. But there's certainly times that you are tested and you have to really dig deep and sort of you know know. Um, I know you just got to keep keep the goal in mind really and. With that, you sort of just keep working hard, and I, I just, I really just think if you know if I'm not working hard, that other people are going to be working hard, and you know that's sort of yeah. that's sort of enough to drive me really. I think the accountability of having a mate that's relying on you too must kind of keep you honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, he's doing every you know. There's two of you working for exactly the same goal, and uh, you know, you know, he's doing everything. So if if he's doing everything, then there's no reason why I shouldn't be. So you know, that does for sure, and. Um, you know, I'm not saying the two of us have done. You know, we've got some a couple of really smart people around us. Guy Dave Slyfield, who he's not our mental skills coach by any means, but he's certainly pretty smart strategically and sort of definitely helps us to keep exploring the right avenues and you know concentrate on the right things, which I think definitely gives you confidence. Yeah, I think trying to, like doing anything without mentors or guides is so much tougher. Right? There's people that walk that path before right? it's great to have them um, yeah and like because you're into like fishing and diving and all that kind of stuff is there what's the kind of dream when they get the weekend off or the week off is it just like up north on the boat or yeah that's pretty much it I the last five years sort of spare fishing has been my you know free diving has been my favorite pastime so that's you know anytime to get out spearing and just out on the bay up in Kerika is pretty pretty awesome and uh, yeah, hopefully, bring home a feed for friends and family. You know, it's a goal, but otherwise, it's just good to be out there. And you know, if I'm not spearing, then hopefully, it's because there's swell and then I can go surfing. And then, yeah, it's pretty much me. <laughs> what's the What's the breath hold? What kind of breath holds do you guys do? Uh, not when I'm actually spearing. Not that Not that high, really. I don't think. Like you do a lot of sort of thirty second, forty five second, one minute dives. Yeah. Um but it's more sort of hunting when you're going for snapper, it's sort of lots of little ones. Um but I can go over three minutes if I'm just static. But that's I don't really it's not something I've really practiced, it's something yeah. I it's definitely an area I wanna improve on, so hence why you saw me at the pool the other day. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's uh, we're doing that Wim Hof, like the power of the breath work yeah. and then like looking at free dives how med- like I've just did a little trip to Bali and had a crack at some manta dive yeah. like, and just like how meditative it is when you're down there yeah I'm like shit it's, it's really cool yeah it's but, the power of the breast is pretty amazing that's something I want to learn about a bit more and uh, I guess free diving you get a little you know you get the hunting side of it, which is cool and then you also get sort of the um, physical and, and mental challenges that you know and sort of that you you know you're trying to overcome and you got a like favourite dish you hand in the kitchen as well then? No, Is we it? do a bit of cooking when we're overseas. Yeah. But uh no, what's uh go on an alright curry sometimes. <laughs> alright sort of fish curry. But uh used to definitely it's come on a little bit since my uh just straight spaghetti bolognese days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause they have do they give you diet coaches or any kind of stuff like that too? Yeah, they they do. And probably before London we put a lot more time into it but you know with sailing you know where fitness is a uh, you know it's definitely something that you have to have but it's not there's so many other things with the boat and with uh, you know different avenues to explore so you know, as long as you know I guess we got older and a little bit smarter around it too but we probably put less time into um, nutrition and from actually getting coached it but I think within that we probably learnt more within us you know within ourselves mm-hmm. Um, if you had to have like a fish curry with three people are there any kind of like heroes or people you kind of like to hang out with or think would be neat to meet dead or alive uh, I can uh, Kelly Slater would be pretty cool uh, who else would I like to meet Kelly's a dude, eh? Yeah, he's a legend. <laughs> he's really... Uh, maybe some other surfers. No, no more surfers. Don't need more surfers. <laughs> yes. 
chuck some give me some ideas throw some i was wondering whether it was like any sailors or um like no, family members or maybe there's like oh yeah my, mate, my mate mitch would have to be there he's, oh, yeah. he's normally there for everything so <laughs> he could be there so i just need one more person uh, well i sometimes think of people like da vinci or obama or yeah i thought about because... obama came to my mind before i think yeah be yeah like someone that just you... to get an insight into their life yeah um since i'm pretty charismatic dude is any um yeah i like people kind of books or movies on that note that's kind of inspired you or that uh or that you recommend i used to do a little bit of reading when i was younger but i don't read a heap now i sort of used to read books around sort of adventure and that sort of thing and people yeah no you're just writing them <laughs> no no not yet not yet but i guess yeah i just like any any people that sort of push the boundaries i don't the other sort of people I look up to, you know, people that just whatever they're doing, whether it's adventuring and, and you know, out in the elements or whether it's in music and sort of pushing the boundaries in that area. It's, I just like people that sort of, uh, you know, they take what's happened in the past and they respect it, but they don't, you know, they don't think that's a limit and that's, I guess, what I try to do with my life now, you know. You yes. Sort of, is there anyone on that kind of note that thinks... Because this idea of like success is something at school, you kind of think, oh, you got to make it in business or your sport or you do any. Especially you, like, you get to the top, you get the the biggest thing, and you realize, fuck, maybe that's not everything. Yeah. And I don't know, does it redefine like your definition of success or happiness or? Yeah, no, I've never. I think I'm lucky that I've always, you know, never judged the results on the water as, you know, judging me. I think. You know, I hope people wouldn't, you know, do that. I think that's, you know, there's a lot more to life than just what you, what you do and whatever your career is, and you know how you're sort of um, viewed by by other people, by your peers and stuff. So that's, you know, that's for me down the road. I don't know there's there's a lot more to achieve in life yet with it. Um, yeah, for sure. I just but sailing at the moment's what what my life is, and um, you know, trying to do my best job at that and. You know, you have your friends and family around you, which are the most important, I think. And um, and is there anything you tell like your fourteen, sixteen-year-old self, or the kid who was just getting started? Like, would you? Yeah, probably. You know, I I, I was good at it, but I th- think you can always be better just to take opportunities, whatever, whatever opportunities they are that come. Sort of, you can s- so easily just to get caught into what you're doing at the time and uh, and think that's the normal because everyone else at school is doing it or everyone else, you know, but there are often opportunities, no matter where you grow up in New Zealand or wherever you are, that there's op- opp- opportunities that come and you might as well try and, you know, grab them and, and take them because doing that you sort of put yourself outside the box, put yourself outside your comfort zone and then from that you learn, I think. Yeah, because I remember thinking, like, the career advisors at school was... There was be a lawyer, a pro athlete, a doctor. It kind of seemed like there's like ten boxes, yeah. and then there's just the so, world. There's just a million different things yeah, ways million, to make it. Yeah, exactly. There's some, and you're probably when you grow up, you're gonna when you do it, you do it in, in your own style. Hopefully, not how it's been done before. You know. Um. Yeah. No, it's, uh And I guess like making like following your heart and what what's kind of comes natural to you sailing's the I remember seeing this model maker that came into our old agency and he just loved making paper models and that was his job now and it's like yeah that's you know cool. if your parents back in the day would have said you want to make paper models for a living or whether it's I don't know breaking some of these paradigms are really like like that the fact that you can sail full time is yeah no I'm you know I'm very lucky that I get to do what what I love you know as a as a career and you know, I definitely don't take that for granted. Um, but, you know, at the same time, by doing that, you know, you know you're giving it your all and when you're enjoying it along the way, you know, because it has been a lot of fun along the way, then you, you know, I think yeah, it's when you give it your best if you end up going off and not doing, getting forced into an area you don't want to do or doing something you don't like, then you, you're never going to be giving it your all. And um, is there one, like, thing you see on your travels or just in New Zealand or... 
in general that you'd like to change? Like if you were prime minister for a week or yeah, there's whatever. Is this is there I've, things you see which you like? Fuck, it'd be there would be a better place if that wasn't like that. Yeah, for sure. And there's lots of things, but you know, if it was one. I think a thing I'm passionate about and probably a little bit biased because. Uh, sort of out there seeing it a lot is just uh, you know the ocean and how much rubbish and pollution's ending up in it uh, you know we're very lucky in New Zealand that there's not there's not that much rubbish in the water or we're not the, the fishing stocks aren't too bad but you know you go to other places in the world and uh, you know it's pretty pretty terrible what you see in the water and uh, you know we're, we're not immune to it in New Zealand and uh, there's things we can improve on but yeah, I think that's you know the ocean's an awesome place, and you know how it's treated at the moment's not not really good enough. I don't think. Yeah, flip. It's we're so lucky here. I know the sustainable coastlines got their ball on this weekend, but you travel and you see how quickly the waterways can. Even our riverways, they were saying ninety percent of them can't be swam in New Zealand when it's yeah. after rain with the runoff and the effluent from dairy and stuff and. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. trying to get that more sustainable. Trying to get the fish stocks more sustainable mm. because they're not, they're not right now. You know, it's, it's you know when I'm fishing, you know that's what I like doing is, pass. I'm like putting food on the, the table for the family, and uh, you know that's not, you know you look at it now, and that's not going to be the case for future generations if we carry on, you know, fishing and sort of, uh, abusing the ocean and the, and the marine life like we are. Cool, I might uh, record one. Like there's kind of that Tim Ferriss question, which I quite like. It's, it's on that kind of lines. But if you had like a billboard or one message, um, for the people, would it be that same, that same message, or would it be something else? No, it would be. It'd be to you know look after the oceans, appreciate the oceans. It's it's a massive place, but at the same time, it's at the moment it's going downhill pretty fast. So uh, yeah, there's a lot to do to improve it. But if we can try get less plastic in the oceans and try and keep the fish stocks high then you know the, hopefully and uh you know future generations can enjoy the fish stocks like we are now and that you can still go swimming in the beaches cool cheers that's brother. not a fish on a fiddle on a billboard <laughs> <laughs> um oh, no, i appreciate it man it's um inspiring story and just kind of makes me want to take up sailing too which is another yeah. Because that connection, once you're in the water, you appreciate or in nature, you appreciate it so much more. So if someone's like wanting to try it out, what's the best way to get to have a crack at it? Now there's, you know, if if they're young, if they're kids, then there's you know learn to sail programs at lots of local clubs around Auckland. Um, if they're out in, you know, anywhere in New Zealand, then uh, there's yeah, most local clubs have got a learn to sail program. Uh, and if you're a little bit older, then you know. You can still learn to sail in dinghies, but it might be better to try and go on like a keelboat or something like that. Just do a Friday night race. It, everyone seems to know someone that yeah. has got a boat in New Zealand, so you know, just get out there and do it. And uh, yeah, it is certainly a great sport. But anything on the water is is cool. I reckon you heard, yeah, from me that I, like, I just like you know I like sailing, but I also love those other things as well. Um, and where can people follow you? And yeah, it's probably best. If you want to follow what I'm up to on the water, under the water, uh, just on Instagram's best, just Blair Chuk. Nice and simple. Uh, cheer, brother. Oh, well, you're an inspiration uh, for us all, and thanks for taking the time. And uh, we'll look, I'll try and look after the seas and yeah, cheers, try and Doug. get on the water with you sometime. Maybe get a fish too. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Cheers, brother. So, cheers. The yoga piece at the yeah. yoga studio. Well, yeah, because it's. It's something that we, you know, I got into it probably three years ago or something. It's definitely, definitely helped. Just the whole, especially when you're busy, yeah, it's just being able to take time out just to clear. More for the mind yeah. or more for the body, yeah. No mind, yeah. yeah. Like when we're away, we like do sort of yoga poses most mornings, you know, sort of yoga, sort of a, it's kind of like a stretching core with sort of yeah. yoga moves in it, and that's good for the body, but then at some stage you still need to. You know, I find you don't get that full zone out for an hour. Yeah, which is your mind thinking about sailing and stuff, which is fine at that time. But you know, quite often at night, I'll do some other stuff and try and zone out a bit. Yeah. Cool, mm. man. I'll have to take for some Wim Hof too. Yeah. So you think of that? It's pretty next level. So where do you do it? I'm actually going to do uh, um, 
an event here shortly, but anywhere, but you want it to be somewhere comfortable. You can lie down or sit comfortably and then just do. And that place for the Wim Hof would be true food and yoga. You heard it from the guy. Do yoga for the mind, look after the oceans and uh, have fun doing what you love and you might just end up with the gold medal around your neck or a golden lifestyle at least. You don't always need medals to show you that you're doing it right. But um, that's Belair with some wonderful insights. Just a top guy and uh, it really got me inspired to give sailing a crack and also to get in the water more this summer, especially as the weather's starting to warm up. But I'm actually going to some cold weather, going off to Vancouver to cycle down to Mexico, or at least halfway down, uh, for the next couple of months. So I'll probably be in the other side of the temperature spectrum, but I'll be trying to get into the water every day. That cold water immersion, it uh, makes you feel alive and once again, follow Blair on his Instagram and uh, let us know what you think. And we'll have some, again, some podcasts up for you again shortly. And that workshop this weekend at True Food and Yoga. And if if I'm doing anything and you want to take part or you just want to find out more um, or you've got any kind of concerns, reach out. And I'm happy to help you out. Even if it's like, this, well, I know this workshop's about $50 <clears throat> this weekend, but if that's not in your budget, just let me know. We'll find a way to get you there, um, even if I have to pay for it if you need to. I'm happy to lend a hand or discount it or just particularly the mental health stuff. If anyone's just deep down their nose, they, they need a hand and uh, and I can do something to, to help you out there, I'd, I'd love to love to do that. And that's what I really want to do this summer is help kids out or people that aren't exposed to this wonderful information from the likes of Tony and Wim Hof and Ido Portal Movement and Happiness. Um, some of the keys to life that we're often taught at school or by our friends and family just uh, you got to really kind of seek it out yourself sometimes so if I can help would love to as always love you tuning in think less experience more keep doing what you're doing and uh, and post a video of dancing or something do something crazy today why not want to dance put your favorite song on post it up share it for mental health week and um, and uh, keep moving. Think less, experience more, and I hope you dug it. Mm-hmm.